Welcome back to It Was Murder, open season <laughs> chain reaction. Hey, open season episode one. <laughs> uh, I'm your diehard. Oh, excuse me. This is, I'm going to start again. Welcome <laughs> back to It Was Murder, the number one heart to heart podcast in the world. I'm your diehard romantic, Eric Blood. And I'm your devoted lover, Ellen Ito. And I'm the runaway virgin, Joe Garber. (laughs) (laughs) And tonight is the first episode of Chain Reaction Open Season. Open Season. Now, I know that if you're just joining us, welcome again. Uh, And (laughs) you may be like, but wait, I thought this was a heart to heart podcast. Yeah. Well, it is. Uh, And if you care to hear our truly comprehensive uh <laughs> cataloging of every heart to heart episode and movie <laughs> including recaps for some reason <laughs> yeah uh that's episodes 1 through 125 of this podcast so if you just go to your podcast app and select so like, play oldest first <laughs> we'll see you in a couple days start, yeah we'll see you in a <laughs> we'll see you in a year in a year uh, <laughs> but yeah we finished we finished watching all of heart to heart consuming mm-hmm. that whole thing and we refuse to s- stop talking to each other about things we like to watch <laughs> uh so we are doing this, this thing chain reaction where we start somewhere somewhere <laughs> uh, <laughs> well it's my understanding you have to start you, you one You're has always to start saying somewhere. That. someone's always saying it we start <laughs> at the beginning and uh from there we pick an element from what we have watched be it an actor, a theme, mm-hmm. uh, a, a a crew member, director, any any element, a gaffer that, that uh, struck a us uh, about what we watched, and we choose a link. Mm-hmm. Uh, each of us chooses our own link. We will this this time we will be incorporating <laughs> <laughs> several versions a new of how to selection pick the next committee. link that we watch. <laughs> yeah, we will uh, do just. Plain old vote. Yeah. There is always Memnock the wheel. Yes. Well, there's three degrees. There's conversation. There's there's conversation. Well, there's excitement. There's excitement. There's <laughs> pitching of our projects that we want to follow. And there's voting. And then there's, if we can't decide, Memnock the wheel. Memnock the wheel. Our old favorite. All of this is obviously so clear to you now, listener. Yeah. <laughs> If you yeah, just this, if you yeah, just joined us, quite shake shake out as, <laughs> as I thought. So let me get this straight. <laughs> we start somewhere, yes, yes. With, with a thing, yes, and then we're still we going. Someone or something <laughs> that's part of that thing, yes, and that is the link in the chain we're making, yes. And it's weird that it's a chain. It is a chain reaction, but. It just feels more like an opportunity to just ping pong wildly across the mediaverse. And yeah. I so enjoy it. So mm-hmm. that to me feels like a description of that. But yeah. in and- terms of everybody rolling up with their hot, hot pick, then all hell breaks loose. But I think we're going to try and structure the selection <laughs> process a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, um, who knows where that's going to end up? It'll we'll, be a we'll battle. See. It'll be fun. There's, there's always uh, another link. 
yeah in the chain every regardless we're going to watch some amazing things uh we are going to introduce joe to some amazing yeah. things because <laughs> <laughs> usually it's just me and ellen saying oh my god you have to watch this and yeah. joe saying i've never heard of that since hence the runaway virgin different virgin every season yes oh Still this, a is, virgin. this is also our third season of chain reaction yeah. So if you want to hear our, the first season of Chain Reaction, <laughs> that's episode 126. I yeah. Think. <laughs> we did a series recap and then we started with Murder, <laughs> She Wrote. Because we, we were inspired by Heart to Heart because of the amazing cameos and actors that are in Heart to Heart universe. This is true. And we always wanted to see what else they were doing around the time they were in Heart to Heart. And so that's what sort of inspired Chain Reaction, right? It did. And so we uh, have gone far from that. <laughs> and uh, we're not super linked to, we're originally linked to Heart to Heart, but that's many links ago at this point. And each season we kind of go on a new path. Now, th- we're, and tonight we start with Martin Scorsese's 1985 film, After Hours, and specifically Griffin Dunn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who we uh, have been talking about endlessly since watching American Werewolf in London. Yeah, because we had spooky spooky edition of uh, Chain Reaction. We did. That was our last Chain Reaction season. Which was super fun. Mm-hmm. We themed it. And now it's just open season, so we can literally end up going anywhere. And we can go anywhere or be shot. Open <laughs> and we'll be doing also, uh, another thing is, Capsule what? episodes of Heart to Heart, where <laughs> we we, yeah. we find out we miss Heart to Heart so much after pretty much each season, and we'll go back and do some rewatches of classic Heart to Heart episodes, favorite Heart Heart to Heart episodes. We did Heart Girl Summer. We did, we did Holiday did Hearts. Holiday with the Hearts, and I'm sure we'll think of more clever titles for those. Yeah, uh, to do Heart to Heart rewatches. So that's probably confusing for our podcast thread as well because there are Heart to Heart the initial watch and then there's rewatch episodes as well <laughs> in between seasons of chain reaction well you know what i just realized about what's happening right now it is that this more. is this is that thing that i never listen to when i start one of the like the one new podcast i'll listen to every year and a half or something is i never listen to the thing that's less than three minutes and is called introducing yes <laughs> totally I never but do that ours, either. ours, ha ha, our introducing is like 45 minutes long, apparently. <laughs> and so I would totally be tricked into listening to it. So solid move there. Yeah. Made yep. it so I would totally start listening to it and then be like, oh, fuck. We oh, needed a whole I mean, episode. Okay. We should have done, we should have hired an actor and done previously on. We really should have. It would have been more streamlined. <laughs> what is, what is Ryan Gosling doing right now? Yeah. Can we get him? Gearing up for Ken. For scale. Ken too. Okay. Uh, listener also if you if you're new one of the things that we <laughs> like to do about the things that we want we watch is do is sum up the entirety of whatever it is oh yeah in 60 seconds or less in a segment we call the minute max yeah we want to tell you what happened so we don't have to like remember what we told you and didn't tell you about what happened yes in the thing. <laughs> it used to be a utility and now it's just a humorous fun thing that we do and it's really difficult try it Okay, time for Minute Max. Hey, it's Corey Jaber coming in hot with Minute Max for After Hours. Oh my God. Uh, so we got Griffin Dunn, is the world's biggest cutie pie, who is a <laughs> yuppie who is having the worst <laughs> night of his life. 
Um, but before that, he's training Bronson Pinchot on how to do uh, data entry. <laughs> and Bronson Pinchot says, or maybe he says that he's like, oh, well, I'm not going to be doing this for very long. And baby, buckle up, because everyone's going to be doing that forever. <laughs> so anyway, he uh, meets uh, an Arquette in a coffee shop, and uh, she gives him a number, and then he calls her, and he's going to get a bagel paperweight, and then it, um, Linda Fiorentino's there, and she has a new wave hairdo, and, you know, spoilers, she's my poke, but if I met a artsy gal that mean with that new wave hairdo, and they look like Lindy Fiorentino, I would absolutely embarrass myself, and it would be game over, and I'd just have to move to a different state. Um, but anyway, uh, the Arquette uh, overdoses on pills, maybe, but she's also a burn victim, also, and then none of that really uh, has much to do with the rest of the plot, where he runs into Terry Gar, and then he runs into, you know... Um, all of the parents from Home Alone, and I'm way over my minute <laughs> oh, at the yeah. end. But um, hey, anyway, that's it. The end. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Wow. Thank you, Corey Brewer. I decided to start with our special guest, Corey J. Brewer, who, uh, if you listened to the first rendition of Chain Reaction, we kept trying to get to, I was trying to get us to After Hours because Corey J. Brewer wanted to discuss it with us. But he was unavailable to discuss tonight. Oh. Uh, so instead, he sent a Minute Max, which was fantastic. Thank yeah. you so much, Corey. Amazing. Thank you, Corey. That's amazing. That's awesome. All right. And now I'll give, I'll give mine a go. He can join us for our rewatch. Yeah, he'll, for the recap. <laughs> the recap episode of this <laughs> one episode. When yeah. we recap the episode where we watched <laughs> After Hours. <laughs> okay. Martin Scorsese's 1985 <laughs> masterpiece <laughs> after hours. <laughs> uh, Griffin Dunn is a yuppie word processor who uh, reads a book at a diner and meets Rosanna Arquette, who is super hot. And she gives him his, uh, she gives him her phone number. He calls her. He ends up going uptown to see her at uh, an apartment that, Kiki Bridges, Linda Fiorentino, works at, used to be Marcy's, that's Rosanna Arquette. Um, they have a really terrible date where Griffin becomes an asshole, and then um, sh he leaves, can't get home, runs into every woman in the world that we love, uh, and <laughs> uh, uh, also a couple of guys, and um, she kills herself, or dies, uh, and he ends up getting his head nearly shaved and uh then he gets put into a bunch of paper mache and dropped back off at work yes okay amazing nice work thanks summarizing <laughs> broad strokes broad strokes am i up yes <laughs> <laughs> wow that's weird all right after hours, a man is having a sort of a panic attack at his job because it's so busy and there's so much to do and so many, so many things to work on. And so he goes home through some golden gates and he goes home and then he goes to read at a cafe and meets a beautiful woman who lives with an artist woman who's also beautiful and he, she gets him to work on her paper mache sculpture and he is 
doesn't know what he's doing and then the woman is being really weird and asks if he wants to go out so they go to a diner and there's a weird guy that she seems to have a thing with and then she wants these pa- bagel paperweights <laughs> plaster of paris bagel paperweights but she doesn't have them so he runs away and he goes to a bar and he loses all his money and there's a, a dollar bill stuck to the paper mache statue but he can't get it uh and then that statue gets stolen and he stops the thieves but they weren't thieves they were friends and then he goes to another woman's house and she is a ice cream delivery person and she gets a there's a mob coming together to try to get him because he's been fucking with everyone's shit and they think he's a criminal and then he <laughs> hides in the paper mache thing and gets dropped off in front of the golden gates the end oh my wow. gosh jesus well done thank this, you that's hard it's yeah. just like further illustrating how difficult it is to summarize this movie yes <laughs> Yeah. But if anyone right. can until now. It's Ellen. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'm totally gonna say something about this movie. <laughs> Your assessment is correct. <laughs> okay. Um, I can't believe it's finally happening. I know. We're finally doing this. I feel oh no, I'm psyching myself up. <gasps> uh oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the big deal. It's not boring, as Gail says <laughs> in After Hours, 1985, Martin Scorsese. Here we go. So, Griffin Dunn is Paul Hackett, and Paul Hackett has kind of a mind numbing uh, workaday job. And what's fun about that is that he is about to take us into the most Kafka esque, crazy, uh, deep downtown Soho, paranoid thriller, dark wash sexy crazy what the fuck is happening to me it makes me so tense it makes me so excited i'm on the edge of my seat literally but i'm totally not telling what's happened because joe just does that so i kind of don't have to <laughs> yeah but um there's just so many amazing cinematic references from martin scorsese here it's like baba and lang and hitchcock to the max and four blonde women and it's incredible but john hurts in it also but anyway so paul hackett goes and things just get weirder and weirder and weirder and we're just constantly off balance as is he we feel his frustration his paranoia cheech and chong are in it he ends up being paper macheed <laughs> and then he's right back at work because work is just who we are and how we are and it's a fucking nightmare everybody <laughs> deal with it yes amazing well done Nice minute, nice. Max, to start the year off, twenty twenty four. So, uh, where to begin? How did you come to this movie, Ellen? In the theater, because I am old enough to have been going to theater in <laughs> the nineteen eighties. Yeah. This movie was introduced to me by my uh, my half sister Connie, mm. uh, who I have a very had a very uh in- weird relationship with um but for a time she was uh she was kind of cool and she introduced <sighs> me to john waters <laughs> wow after that hours is kind of cool. yeah. yeah um yeah and little shop of horrors oh, uh, amazing. so <laughs> those huh. are the things i choose to remember about her way to go uh, connie yeah everything else about her was kind of awful oh. uh, <laughs> but yes i i saw this when I was nine or 10 mm. uh, and was very much just obsessed with it and with New York. <laughs> really? Was of it course. scary? No, it was just exciting. Wow. I would think I would be scared to watch this if I was that old. I, th- I remember thinking it was funny even then, like finding it pretty funny. Huh. Did um, you like it, Ellen, when you first saw it? Oh, yeah. 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 And Joe, what did just you think of After it Hours? For the first time. 
the Virgin. I really liked it. Wait, did did you just see it for the first time? No. Well, we've you, no. you have it. No. This this is the first this for this podcast. This is the first time he's seen it. Yes. But oh my it, god! But it's like last week. Oh. Yeah. Why am I having that reaction? <laughs> I'm the virgin. Um, the runaway virgin. It has been a while <laughs> since we've podcasted. So yeah. <laughs> Ellen has completely <laughs> forgotten our roles. <laughs> I had a, I've had life has handed me a hard reset, everybody. Yeah. But don't worry. Um I'll fall right fall right back into the boring ramblings that you have grown to know and hate. <laughs> the boring um, rambler. Ellen. But you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I just have feelings. You know? Yeah. Um Joe, that's yeah. so thrilling. I so I wish I could see this for the first time again. It was great. I loved it. Uh, obviously, you, you loved knew. It. You knew. Oh, yeah. Like, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I feel. Oh, sure. really? It's mm-hmm. yeah. It's really surreal. Like I was so surprised. I didn't know what to expect, especially with that taxi cab ride at oh, the beginning. That's like thousands of miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just really reminded me of like Sinek. Schenectady, New York, yeah. that style of movie where it's like, yeah, mm. like Kafka sort of surreality. Really cool. It's it's funny. I think this movie first came up amongst the three of us after watching Something Wild. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Or was it, it Something Wild or was it Into the Night? Into the Night. Which one did we do first? Well, well we were going to do wanna, I don't want to open that can of worms. One but. night only <laughs> season of we Chain were going to do a, an entire season of first. one night only, and this was going to be the beginning. Yeah, um, but that th- those constraints proved to be unbearable. <laughs> they were tough. The pool of films and TV episodes was kind of smallish. Well, it was it, mm. it wasn't small. It was just like difficult to. Yeah. It was difficult for us to figure out a way to do it. Yeah, and keep the spirit of chain reaction yeah. alive. Yeah, like this is it. This. We just wanted to talk about this movie, so I'm glad we got to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did he kill himself? Is he in purgatory? Is that what you, you said? He said because of the gates. Yeah, the golden gates that he walks through that are very uh, like over the top for that whatever office building he was in. He walks out of his office building after having like some kind of panic attack about the busyness of the office. He walks away mid sentence. That guy explaining him is like fantasy novel that he wants to write or whatever or oh i never he... thought of him as having a panic attack i was I, I think he's just bored oh really yeah. like he's it was just, like he's numb he's he's completely numb like he's looking he's at the office looking at other people's uh m- memorabilia like he's <laughs> looking at that woman's photos of her kids or like a dog or a stuffed animal like these <laughs> things these things that that people put at their desks to remind them that they're human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which he doesn't have. Right. He's just, it's work. And then yeah. and even when we go to his apartment, it's kind of barren. Like he's got his eighties cable box, which I love. I miss those. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has like one, one print, yeah. one art print framed art print on the wall. Mm-hmm. And that's it. His apartment has, is weird. He has two. Oh, he has two. <laughs> uh, but, um, right. Are you thinking the gates remind you of like Rodin's gates or something? But they're it, those are actually still on that building. Really, that's yeah, a real. Really, they're really on that building. I can't remember if it's a bank or whatever. But that's like, yeah, just wow. a, that is an actual office building in it's, New York City. It was the it was the gates, but then it was like you know all of these characters are just like 
I don't know what's going on. They all have some sort of driving thing, but they're just so weird. And like the, the one he falls in love with sort of, she's got like, there's like burns and then you have that burn ward story. That's like this very strange interconnection that something concrete was going on, but you don't really know what it is. And it's very dreamlike and kind of nightmare or, or whatever sometimes. So it was just like, I was trying to figure out the theory. My theory is that he like, was in purgatory, I guess, but I don't know huh. what you guys thought of that. Or I could see that the, being you, a thing. Yeah, do you have theories about what was the what was Martin Scorsese trying to communicate with this film? Um, I think this film is a flex. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. But I, I think th- it's like talking about after hours and talking about after hours within the context of martin scorsese's body of work are seem feel like two really different things in a strange way yeah i don't know that kind of doesn't make sense but mm-hmm. that's how i see it because i think people always um when they're addressing like the scorseseiana um <laughs> that they this is kind of a standalone in a lot of those totally uh, conversations where people kind of don't know what to do with it, which doesn't necessarily mean I think that people don't appreciate it or enjoy it. I mean, you got best director at Cannes, right? But I think people just sort of want to set it aside as not being super Scorsese-ish mm-hmm. thoughts. I find I find it almost pure that like maybe the purest Scorsese film there is because it isn't tied to a an outer mythology Mm -hmm. um it's not based on real people like like real named folk um Mm -hmm. it's a new york it's a purely new york fantasy um so it's it just everything about it like from its from its movement and its look uh the the actors the choice of actors the Mm -hmm. performances these actors give um all of it is so scorsese like using comedians <laughs> to play very serious like very serious roles like Catherine O'Hara let's get to Catherine O'Hara mm-hmm. who shows up towards the end of the film mm-hmm. and she's an SCTV star at this point like she's a she's a comedian mm-hmm. and she shows up she is not <laughs> she's not doing a comedic role but she's fucking hilarious yeah like she it's but she's dark it's dark like there's a darkness to there's a darkness to everybody in the movie everything is pretty dark mm-hmm. <laughs> um because it's after hours after all uh but yeah i feel like it's it's very scorsese it's it is the most scorsese thing there is in its standaloneness in his filmography mm. It's yeah. funny the after hours thing because Peter at the diner says different rules apply. Different rules when apply. It's, this late. Oh, it's Dick, after yes, hours. I Dick love Miller. That. Dick, when Dick Miller shows up, you know you're gonna watch a good movie. Oh, I know. I, I thought just fall, fall in love every time. I thought maybe why it was so different was the writer Joseph Minion, but then I looked up his what what else he wrote, and at there there's not much I know, but Vampire's Kiss is one of them, which yeah. makes sense. And I've, I think that's the only other one I've seen, but there's not much on his, in his career. He didn't really do 
much more after that not any big projects anyways it seems like um julia and julia so i was wondering if that was why and i was like excited to see what else he had written because this is incredible and, but there wasn't like much there it was kind of weird it's an anomaly i mean this movie yeah. is is a standalone in many many ways like mm-hmm. it's there's not a it's been copied <laughs> It is, it's reminiscent of, like Ellen said, there's a lot of references to earlier films. There's a lot of references to, to directors and things, but it is its own beast. Yeah. And also, it's short. Yeah. It's blissfully mm-hmm. short. Right. It's movie length. It is movie length. Yes. An hour and a half. Hour and Truly half. delightful. Great. Like, what a Soft treat. <laughs> what a yeah. treat to get to just sit down enjoy an hour and a half of a, of a movie yeah that takes you an hour and a half movie that we can barely summarize in a minute i know it's just like so subjective feeling the whole film it's just like little conversations and little s- snippets of conversation it's interesting hmm. and so of much course, happens i love the way that darkness in reality and and in the film can be used to create this claustrophobic tight world but at the same time paradoxically i'm all about the the strangeness of this film in terms of what it does and does not do and how it seems improbable in every every sense of of the word but so it the darkness makes things so claustrophobic mm-hmm. And small and contained and almost and private and secret and all the things that darkness does for you, all the ways that darkness makes us feel and all the ways that darkness can be used as a device, right? But at the same time, darkness opens us up, opens up our imagination, opens up like the possibilities and it changes everything, right? It's, mm-hmm. It is. It's different rules apply, mm-hmm. but there is something about how masterfully the story moves along, how the cinematography captures that, how the editing gives it like that pacing mm-hmm. that allows it like it, like it just pays out just enough. And then it yanks you back into that claustrophobic and frightening space. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm obsessed with darkness. Yes. <laughs> so You've mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. So it, it really, for me, the, the night is, the dominant character in this film it's defining mm, i love it i can't even i don't even know where i was going with that i just love it speaking, I love that. speaking of characters because this movie is like <laughs> packed with characters yeah mm-hmm. um i wanted to ask who who do you each identify with most <laughs> in this film oh man if wow you need to take a, if you need to take a minute for this that's fine <laughs> yeah but there's some, there's like, I have a lot of, I have a lot of questions for you guys about, the, about <sighs> this movie and about what you think about Great. it. Um, this is, this is the fun one, I guess. <laughs> I love a quiz. Yeah. Do you have an answer for you, yourself? Uh, is it the leather daddy kissing at the bar? It's always the leather daddy kissing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's horsed. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I, sometimes feel like kiki oh because i'm just like going about my business <laughs> and uh doing what i want uh-huh i can um, see that and sometimes it is it's it's paul 
sometimes I feel like Paul, who's who's constantly like who wants to touch the darkness but has no idea what to do with it once I'm there. Is that Griffin Dunn? Yeah. That's his character. Yeah. Um Yeah, I, I don't like I don't know. There's a there's a lot. There's a lot. Hmm. There's That's also Ver, uh, there's also Verna Verna Bloom at the end. <laughs> where I'm, Yeah, I'm just I'm older, I'm set in my ways and I'm happy to be where I am. <laughs> oh yeah. I like That's so funny because I would think of you as Tom. Really? Yeah, huh. because Tom is like kind and pretty, like even even keeled, except when he isn't. Except when he says "Marcy, Marcy, Marcy." Is that John Hurt? Yeah. That's or a bartender. Or when he kicks the shit out of the cash register, yes. which is one of the greatest <laughs> things of all time. What? But he's also just like he dresses. Okay. He dresses good. He's handsome because John Hurt. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Oh my god. And I don't know. He just has. Tom is grounded, right? I don't know that I feel grounded all the time. (laughs) I didn't say all the time. I just said, he's he's kicking that cash register. Yeah, he is. Good God. He's angry. I love the like bashful guy that he has to use his phone. The the street pickup? Yeah. And the guy is just so like. He's not going to do everything, okay? There's things he's not, he won't do. Yeah. Let me also so tell funny. you what this movie did to a 10-year-old gay boy named oh, yeah. Eric Blood. <laughs> I bet. Did it give you permission? It kind <laughs> of did. It it definitely well, it definitely made me think city, I need to be in a city. <laughs> yeah. Um because there are three openly obvious gay characters in this movie that mm-hmm. interact right. with with all of the like they interact with the there's no wait there's five um there's the neighbors there's yeah. Tom's neighbors mm-hmm. they all interact with everybody yeah they all are part of the society with of of soho yeah and mm-hmm. no one there's they're not defined they're not uh they're not ostracized they're yeah. not put in an other camp they're not jo- um, it's the not terminal the punch- bar is apparently for everyone yeah it's not a punchline mm-hmm. to a joke i was really worried when those gay guys were like making out in the bar i was like oh no what is this gonna be i love them so much yeah they're just like just people and that's how the every character just treats them like people it's so great and the street pickup guy like yeah i i love him like it's and i love that he gets so bored yeah yeah (laughs) when he realizes like ugh, he's not gonna fuck me yeah i have to just listen to his boring ass story (laughs) i mean that's boring yeah (laughs) Everyone's just looking for a little surrender, Dorothy, right? <laughs> surrender, Dorothy. Yeah, I was uh, especially Martin Scorsese for some reason. I was like, oh, this is going to be like really bad. I don't know why I have that opinion. I haven't even watched m- a lot of Martin Scorsese movies, so I don't. I was like, ooh, this is going to be like really homophobic, and it wasn't at all. I was very pleasantly yeah, surprised no. by that. Marty's a Marty's a uh, everybody's everybody is the same kind of person. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Hmm. I don't feel like Marty's very discriminatory about anybody. Well, I feel like he allows characters. He's it's equal opportunity for who can be horrible. True. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> or, or helpful. Or good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I oh, love yeah. That. yeah. That. <laughs> yes. Ellen, do you, do you, is there anyone that you identify with particularly in this movie? I don't know. I guess I've never thought of it like that. I think I, 
I connect with the 80s-ness of it mm. in a way. Because just at that moment in time, like I am just yearning to go like experience more, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, New York City is where the more is uh, in the 1980s. So I don't know, it's kind of like an overall sort of just like, I'm just tantalized by all of it. The weirder it is, the more I love it, the more tense it gets, the more invested I feel. But I don't know, like I don't, I think that the women are kind of like, if I had had any issue with the film mm. in like more recent viewings of it, it would be just kind of the female characters kind of, you know, yeah. there's, there's something about their eccentricity and their, the way that they are allowed to kind of spin out within this like dark circle that sometimes feels like a little bit. This was what I, the other thing that, I wanted to ask both of you is mm -hmm. how you see, do you see, I mean, Paul is our protagonist just by the nature of, of, you know, storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, he is Joseph K. Yeah, yeah, but do you, do you find, so I watched this, I've watched this three times in the last six months. Oh, wow. Say. Wow. Damn. Um, well, because I bought the, I bought the Criterion oh. Blu-ray uh -huh. and I watched it with mm -hmm. Alex and then I watched it again um, just because, and then I watched it with you. Uh-huh. Uh, and I watched it second time after watching it with Alex because watching it with him, I thought, are all of these women awful? Like, is, are, is, <laughs> is every woman supposed to be kind of a Homer-esque, like, villain who's trying to, like, kill him? They all want to fuck him, which is weird. I mean, he's super cute, but it's, it's a little aggressive. Like, yeah, it's a little crazy. And they're all they they all are preventing him from doing what he what he ultimately wants to do, which is go home. Mm -hmm. Right. So the that time I watched, I thought, oh, is this a really kind of shitty male fantasy portraying a bunch of women who are awful? Or this watching it the last two times, I was like, no, this is actually just <laughs> more about. Soho in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for, for me, somewhere in between, I think mm -hmm. I see the female characters as kind of part of that nod. It's more than a nod. It's like vigorous head shaking to Hitchcock in particular, mm -hmm. because we have just a handful of blondes, right? Mm -hmm. And they all are kind of functioning, yes, as like, um obstacles yes. right they are they are the living obstacles um animated obstacles within like this bigger minefield right this bigger obstacle course that is soho uh -huh. from 11:32 to <laughs> the next morning right yeah. but there's i think it is just that maybe it's it's not on Martin Scorsese or the writers and certainly not on the actresses no. or actors to bear any of that. I think that, that my viewing at this point is a little bit bruised from uh, constructs like the manic pixie dream girl and things like that. I think yeah. I'm a little bit like 
the nerves are, are a little bit exposed to that. And so that kind of made me sad um, when I was watching it just most recently, like whenever that was a couple of weeks ago in anticipation of talking about it tonight. And it was just like, oh, wow. Like, am I letting something else be an obstacle to me to embrace the things that really make this film so amazing, which is just giving those actors and characters enough rope. Like it's just, yeah, it's just totally. wild and delightful and menacing and all the things, but I, mm, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just interesting. And I think right off the bat, like Rosanna Arquette's like, just so like, who is just more captivating than Rosanna Arquette? Mm-hmm. Like just, and she is like off the charts in the eighties, just like, she is not manic pixie. She's just the dream girl, yeah. the dream woman. And she's just perfection, right? But that character, right? Marcy is just Marcy's like, crazy. what's going on, right? <laughs> and then kills right, herself. I feel like I'm really going to let loose, you know? I really feel like I can talk to you. Yeah. Like, I thought I told you to stay on the bed. And, that was... like, and all this stuff. It's just like, oh, yeah. but it, it's perfect. It immediately, like, we're just off kilter. Yeah. Like, who knows what's going to happen? Like everything that we thought that we were going to be doing with Paul. Oh yeah. We a million percent don't end up doing. No. <laughs> that was the biggest shock and twist for me. And the ma- thing that made me love the movie even more when she actually killed herself and died, like yeah. she was dead. And I was like, Oh my God, like that's so you just expect from the moment they meet in the diner. Oh, it's like a whole arc, but then they're going to end up together and it's going to be this crazy, like, thing but then she fully dies in the movie and it's like what the fuck it's 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 fucked up yeah it's really it is really fucked up it's wild that she dies (laughs) burn stuff but you what you're saying i pick up on that too i that is a little bit depressing the the role that women are given in this movie is very much from a male perspective it's like they're whatever they're just not really fully developed characters sort of or there's i don't really can't put my finger on what it is exactly it's i don't like, think they're meant to be definitely not yeah i don't think they're meant to be but but that said these actresses oh amazing are fucking killing it like yes. like yeah. every every missing line from their character development is filled in with these performances yeah terry gar uh <laughs> as the the waitress Aww, that julie th- that's obsessed with the 60s mm-hmm. <laughs> that that whole scene just murders me. Like it's yeah. so she's so wonderful. Yeah. And again, she's a she's a female character that goes from being kind of cool, aloof to very needy yeah. <laughs> to ex- like kind of extreme anger back to mm-hmm. very sweet. Yeah. Um she's so weird. And just and all the time just this she's a hipster. Like there these they're in Soho in 1985. Everyone's a hipster. Yeah. So it's like Kiki Bridges, Linda Fiorentino, who who couldn't be hotter. Like there's no one hotter True. than Linda Fiorentino. Oh my god. Yeah. In After Hours. Oh my god. It, and just the character too. Like she's she's just a fucking bored artist who's <laughs> who's sculpting. Yeah. The scream out of paper mache. And then going to Berlin. Is that the club? Club Berlin. Club Berlin. Which, uh, I love that club. Yeah. <laughs> that part is amazing. Oh my God. But yeah, I don't know. You're right. I mean, it is, it's like from the perspective of male perspective and it's just this, like the poster, him being twisted up by these like nail polished fingers. It's like what women do to men is like, 
one of the underlying currents of the movie is like mm. these women like teasing him and this like playing with him sort of thing. Uh, but he puts himself there, right? Yes. Yeah, totally. I I, yeah, I don't, I'm not, for myself, I'm not saying that I find it like oppressively male gazy or anything. It's more just like when I think of the character of Paul, like Paul is also allowed to be all of these things. Like Paul also just starts turning on a dime. Like it gets really volatile and oh. really strange and really desperate, mm -hmm. really angry, really like excited, really grateful, really, you know, it's like there's all these crazy, it's a roller coaster for everyone. But I yeah. think that the characters are playing off of each other. But it is like, yeah, when you're thinking just about what female characters are supposed to be symbolizing within the context of mm -hmm. the film yeah in 2024 i see it a little bit differently but totally. i know a million percent it, it gave me no pause yeah yeah, yeah uh, I don't previously think it's, and it's, i and it's not serious for me no it's not something like no. that it's like we're gonna cancel or whatever it's not like <laughs> we're like offended it's just like there is that element of it i'd be it'd be really interesting to see this movie from a female perspective and i wonder what that would be like if only we knew a woman that's seen it yeah, wouldn't that just be yeah. so interesting? <laughs> no, I mean, like, I think it would be amazing to see it from a female perspective. If only someone would talk to us about that. Yeah. <laughs> just like, what would it be? How would it be different? Like the way those sexual um, defined roles in whatever this is in oh, the subconscious. Eric and I are joking because I am female. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you are? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Sorry. Sorry. Just clarity there. No, I, I just mean like uh, seeing it the whole like a movie like this, like a surreal. But what, one of the one of the things that I like about the the female <laughs> characters and their their kind of uh, siren <laughs> slash harpy esque like <laughs> depictions of you know this their sexual Homeric, desire right? for for Paul Hackett yeah is mm -hmm. so extreme. <laughs> it's so extreme, but it's also just like. How awesome that there there are these, you know, five or six female characters in this movie that have full sexual agency and are going after what they want. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I think it's interesting that Paul, I mean, Paul gets rejected right off the bat by Marcy, or he feels he's made to feel rejected, right? And then things spiral out of control from there. Mm -hmm. But I think that the one of my favorite things about that character is that it would be too easy to just write him off and have him be, you know, like the male character in, in the catbird seat or something. It's too easy to create like the sexless, um, undesirable worker bee man, right? Who is just uh, batted about by the winds of eccentric artists. Like, I think that's been done many times mm -hmm. and it's not always horrible but it's so much more interesting to have the extra layers where like paul is sexy to women mm -hmm. paul um like there's a lot of of moments right where he's just like physically close with the characters and it's palpably hot right yeah. It's, yeah. it's like a thing and the way he puts his face like so close when he's nuzzling kiki uh, telling her and that telling story. her that weird story Ugh. and it's just like such it sets such a strange psychosexual tone mm -hmm. also this is after she has changed his shirt 
She is. She is. This is such a pointed and thing that God. she did. Yeah, she did that on purpose for Marcy <laughs> yeah. or for herself. And it was. So, it's such a smooth. Oh, move. I thought it was for me. <laughs> well, really, we all benefit. Because um, yeah, it's like it, he goes from being this square to being sexy <laughs> with a simple change right. of He's, change of a shirt. He yeah. goes downtown. Right? Yeah, admittedly, goes downtown. those pants are forever Canabunkport. <laughs> but, but you know the thing the thing that i when i was a kid and saw this that always kind of disturbed me and i never really got it until watching it i guess now mm-hmm. <laughs> i had to have gotten it like 10 years ago <laughs> but uh when griffin Dun- when paul is suddenly super mean to marcy mm, when yeah. they're smoking that joint He's like, that's not. Well, this you're is, a liar. Yeah, he, you're whoever told you this so is a liar, me. and you're a liar too. Oh, that whole when he gets so mean suddenly, I never mm-hmm. understood it. Oh, really, I, I didn't get it. Oh, I didn't I f- understand why, why he did, why he turned like that. I love that moment. Oh, I do too. I love it now because yeah. now it makes sense to me. Uh huh. <laughs> I think it's an asshole thing to do, but I also think it's like he's probably a bit of an asshole so sure like go ahead and do that uh yeah i don't know that's not how i would get out of a bad date is just what i'm saying like i (laughs) i think there are better ways to (laughs) yeah totally but the way like she's he just is like she's fucking with me and she is maybe but it's like obviously sort of a dream too so it's like it's very unclear what her motivation is for anything the way she keeps like leaving the room and then just there's so much that's going on with her that I would definitely be like, all right, give me the fucking plaster bagels now, yeah. <laughs> which is what he wants. But, but, but Paul also has the redemptive opportunity when he's apologizing to her, to her, to her corpse, to her corpse. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that's that's like a moment that's absolutely necessary. I think not just in terms of the pacing of the story but also because there's so many things happening that to keep up with paul and who paul is and trying to still like catch that tiger by the tail you have to have a moment where he acknowledges and atones or at least participates in even if it's just like trying to pacify her or just be obedient to kiki because obviously he connects with kiki more than marcy right mm-hmm. but just to kind of get through this night that's yeah. part of the deal is to say like i'm sorry you know it got really weird like you said about the rape and your boyfriend and your husband and your whatever God. and like we're all paul at that moment right <laughs> it's like yeah it got weird it did get weird <laughs> i mean i mean it's it's just getting weirder but you know what yeah but it's oh man it's so <laughs> that uh story i always i keep thinking about that story she tells about her husband that his favorite movie surrender dorothy who, yeah his favorite movie was wizard of oz and he's in turkey now all right and then but he when they would first started having sex whenever he came he would say surrender dorothy and she goes into so much very specific detail about how she felt about that that it was weird at first but she and then he didn't realize he was doing it it's very specific <laughs> and it's just like so interesting that weird on top of everything else doesn't seem to have anything to do with anything else i don't know what that's what this movie is full of those 
of these like weird little interconnected things the burns on her body and like the burn book and, and this, let's talk about the burns because yeah. there's so she goes to the all night pharmacy to get a salve mm-hmm. yeah she has or second degree burns for second degree uh-huh. burns she has a book on burns mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he has the story of getting his wisdom teeth pulled out and they put him in a blindfold they put him in, to put him in the burn ward and they put him in a burn ward because there's no rooms for yeah. him when he's getting his tonsils out so he i adore that story i adore that scene so much especially that kiki falls asleep on him when he does it. Mm-hmm. yeah and then so he says good. he he takes the blindfold. He said, "I took the blindfold off, and then I saw, and then that's the end of the story." And yeah. then we never really hear anything more. Yeah, because Kiki was bored. And aren't there sound effects of like people burning at some point? I thought there was like a when moment. he's flipping through the book. There's there's, there's crying and there's yeah. some really amazing sound design in this whole movie. Uh, th- that, but that's so. <laughs> There right. is I mean, a moment. Howard is a master. Our, oh God, the fucking score to this movie—it's so great. The clock sounds and the synth score just—it mm-hmm. blew me away as a kid. Oh yeah, I love it so much. Huh. Um, but yeah, so Marcy, one time that she gets up off of the bed, we see what look to be scars on her leg. Oh yeah, on her inner thigh. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. which then... turns out to be a tattoo mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of a skull, right? Is yes, that skull? the same as uh, mm-hmm. as Tom's keychain. Yeah, but he creepily uh, removes the blankets off of her dead body, and she's just wearing skimpy underwear mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sees no burns. Right, but so we first get pulled into the scar conversation, which is then the burns conversation, because of the strange interplay between kiki Mm -hmm. and marcy like there's they're obviously frenemies um right yeah um where she's like kiki just has this seems seemingly has this thinly veiled contempt but at the same time the two of them are whispering right Mm -hmm. like there's multiple times when paul's in the bedroom and he can hear marcy and kiki whispering Right. And at yeah. one point she's like, the pill makes me sick. It's like, everything makes you sick, Marcy. Yeah. <laughs> like just, and it's just kind of, I mean, it's just so unsettling to think about that. But the, but so when Paul says to Kiki, you have a great body. Yeah. And she just says, yes. And <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> and uh, which is amazing. But she's like, yeah, it's not, you know, some women have, she says, I don't have any scars. Yeah. Yeah. None. And he's like, oh, um okay and she's like some women i know are covered with scars ugly scars Mm -hmm. yeah and then like we're kind of set up to have this like it's like what is what's she trying to tell us but but it is like such an interesting moment when you realize that marcy doesn't have any scars Mm -hmm. what's going on Mm -hmm. it's when she comes in with the candle though (sighs) don't you you always think like oh that's what's gonna happen oh yeah (laughs) Huh. I this this last viewing, I thought for a second that the salve was for Kiki, um, mm. and that it was uh from rope burns. Oh, oh. <laughs> from being tied from being tied up from being those. tied up because they there's that great scene. <laughs> yeah. Where, oh my which, god, which is Will so funny. Patton. Will Patton, god, beautiful, so beautiful Will Patton. Oh but my gosh, I know. Let's also talk about the two amazing key drop scenes. <laughs> 
uh, where Kiki throws the keys to oh, their yeah. loft down to him. And he like avoids them. And he where avoids Kiki Kiki's. Yes. Kiki Kiki's. <laughs> uh, but those she the second time she throws them down, she is tied up and gagged. Oh yeah. Gag. And she gets the keys in her mouth and <laughs> throws Tosses them down them. and then puts herself back against yeah. a pole. Yeah. <laughs> And then it was like the people he sees the paper mache thing being stolen, yes. but it was like friends of hers. Is yeah. that what that's uh, Louis and Peppy? And so they just, Chong. she just likes being tied up by them. It's just part of the well, the horse tied her up, but they didn't. Oh, they right. didn't steal it. She sold the. She sold it to them. Yeah, they they bought her TV and the painting. <laughs> oh my god! And oh, there we go. In. The paper mache, can you hear me? Uh, no, yeah, we, we were frozen for the last like 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I just thought because I could still hear you. Um, like he makes that funny joke about George Siegel, but like confusing the actor with the artist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because of how Cheech Marin is such an incredible contemporary art collector. Mm. Oh, he is. I didn't know that. Yeah, he oh. has his own museum. Huh. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's, That's cool. awesome. I love mm-hmm. I love Cheech and Chong. I love seeing them in this movie. Um, and then I love the the other nightmarish part is Catherine O'Hara. He's got a piece of newsprint stuck oh, to his shoulder. I'll burn it off. And yeah, she she'll burn it off. But she starts reading it, and it describes how he's gonna be murdered by a mob of people, <laughs> and how his <laughs> face is gonna pummeled. be pummeled to like. <laughs> so that you can't recognize him that is so scary and then she starts leading the mob around because they think he's the thief because terry gar has drawn a portrait of him yeah and put up posters everywhere so great like when when they just put when the foot goes on the gas with all of that it's so (laughs) amazing then it's just like oh my god i thought we were hurtling through time and space as fast as i could possibly go but i clearly we haven't and there's the one joke that doesn't land for me but i do think is funny and it's him hiding on the fire escape and he looks over at a window oh my god and a woman shoots her husband and then just like drops the gun and finishes her cigarette and Uh he says I'm probably going to get blamed for that. Yeah. <laughs> and I love, I, don't get me wrong. I love the joke. I love that scene. It doesn't fit for me. He's, it's in a moment where he's running for his life. Yeah. And it, his, that bit of levity is something that he hasn't shown. Yeah. Until then. So it, it doesn't, it's weird. It's weird. I think it would have been better if he was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I like that they showed that just random person getting shot. Yeah. It's very... so funny <laughs> and weird. And it's, it's funny that it's funny. Like yeah. it's, that's where Martin Scorsese comes into play again. I kind of just want a loop of every time that Griffin Dunn calls somebody lady or yells lady in this movie, <laughs> because the, the one like just fleeting moment that makes me laugh until I feel like I'm going to barf is of course with Catherine O'Hara, oh God. my, my super love. Mm. Um, but when he's like, lady, lady, wait. And she's like, my name's Gail. Oh yeah. I just so love that everything she says funny. is an answer to an argument that hasn't happened. Like right. every it's line. Not boring. She, it's, it's not, not boring. boring. Yeah. It's not boring. Uh. I have my own truck. Um, <laughs> I have to say, because it came up in the minute max, and I think I've said this before, but you know, I've never seen Home Alone. Oh, really? 
Um, well, I, guess what? Yeah. But, <laughs> You're about to. Links to Hoy. Uber links. Um, yeah. That's the obvious link to twofer, as we call them in, in our biz. Uh, but yeah, Gail. Uh, I mean, Terry Gar, I feel like I don't. I don't get enough Terry Gar in my life, but that is my own damn fault, isn't it? This is true. Yeah. Um, but Catherine Eyre is is so perfectly perfect. She's amazing. And didn't we decide on her for if we recast Heart to Heart that she would be Max? Did we decide on that? Because I think I that didn't. Would, oh, I that think, was one of our. That was one of our many. <laughs> I think that would be an amazing uh, recast. Yeah. I, I still it. I think Catherine O'Hara should just play a, the every villain like oh yeah <laughs> just in different just disguises and different in a different wig we would definitely have recurring villain because we would oh, fix yes. the arcs a little my bit. my name so. is Gail yeah it'd be Gail <laughs> she rides around in an ice cream truck <laughs> she's dressed up as a horse on the horse ranch <laughs> I love um. The use of of handwritten notes in the film, also, which is just yes. not—I don't know. This, I think, I've been having a lot of conversations about how um, now it feels like a chunk of my life is spent being ridiculed about how I have used a rotary phone at some point in my life or something, <laughs> or how like, oh my god, like you just have to go and wait for people to call you on the phone and all that shit. Right. And it's like, I'm sorry that I was alive then. What do you want me to say? <laughs> right? A bunch of Gen Z but people. This movie, of course, like hinges upon what was of course then just mm -hmm. the way we lived. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But to have, to be writing down like people's phone numbers, to be reliant on making a phone call, all of the things. But I love the notes that he leaves um, when he's leaving the loft. Dead body. <laughs> Dead, person Dead person with arrows. And yeah. that he has two of them. And I often just think like, oh, I wish I had a t-shirt that just had that dead person. With an arrow. With yeah. the arrow. It's so perfect. But also <laughs> there's something so amazing about the moment when he sees the check that Julie's left on the table oh, I love and he it. turns it over. Right. It's help. Oh, I yeah. hate my job. I, hate my that, job. So, oh, I love the feeling that scene gives me because you're, we're already on the roller coaster and we're already mm -hmm. like, we've had a couple of dips. Yeah. And <laughs> he, we know that he has no money. We mm -hmm. we know everything that's going on. And yeah. he specifically says to her, what can I get for like 50, for 15 cents uh -huh. and to see the check there you just know that she has charged him yeah and every this movie is about like currency in so many ways like and and pieces of paper that determine your fate i love yeah True. that it gives such a nightmare it's like the showing up to school in your underwear feeling of just yes. that 20 dollar bill flying out the window and then he doesn't have a way to pay oh the taxi he doesn't have a way to pay the diner he doesn't have a way to get on the, the subway there's just that cuts him off from so much. But I was thinking also about the, like the rotary phone stuff in this <laughs> day and age. Me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't I'm believe not a boomer, I can't okay? believe you ever used one of those. Stop yelling at me about that. First of all, why did you use a telephone? Uh, you just—it's just like a bummer. Um, my friend Marie and I talked about this before, where it's just like. I think this is kind of her idea that it kind of sucks that you have to write around smartphones sort of now mm -hmm. to like develop a good story that's visual. You have to like the 
the answer is right there in your pocket. It's on your phone. Whatever you need now is just like, I guess his phone could go flying out the window. He doesn't have his phone. And then it's even more of like a dreadful experience for modern day mm-hmm. people. A dead, but a dead cell phone is a. Yeah, that's like, like what you have to it's do. It's a pretty good analogy. <laughs> yeah, totally. For, well, for this in particular, because it's all about cash. Like he has no cash. He yeah. can't get cash. Yeah. There's no easy access to cash. Mm-mm. The, it would be phone, your phone dying. Yeah, because totally. Because most of us don't carry cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd be just completely cut off. <laughs> I guess you could still do it. But you the just Julie, ask someone's phone. The Julie thing is just such the perfect setup. You go into a bar to get out of the rain. Like, it is, it is a high romance moment, and it is a classic... Uh, set up right mm-hmm. you go duck in to get out of the rain and the music and the fucking bar uh. is incredible and it's got it's moody and all the things and then there is this lovelorn waitress looking for a way out mm. i mean that is the, absolutely the setup for so many other stories so many movies and what i love is in this movie that story remains untold yeah yeah totally <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so funny. It's defiantly untold too. Like it's, <laughs> she's trying really hard. <laughs> yeah. The the moment that gives me intense anxiety is is depicting something where like Joe you're just referencing the the classic like dream about you know being mm-hmm. naked in school and mm-hmm. and all those but I so rarely have those classic dreams like mm-hmm. The classic ones I always have is like, I used to always dream that my teeth were falling out. Yep. That's Ooh. such an obvious anxiety dream. I haven't God. had one of those in a long time, but that was me, a very common one. Yeah, me uh. either. But like the falling or the test or any of that I haven't had. But I have had multiple anxiety dreams where the toilet overflows. Oh, and no. It's, and it is the thing that suddenly like, at that moment in the dream, I am like not just like damaging somebody's property, but the feeling it gives me is more like as if now I'm going to be revealed, like the literal like connection with the word, right? It's like to be flushed out or something. I don't know what the actual dream dictionary or Jungian idea of interpretation of that is, if if there even is one. Mm-hmm. But that moment in this film, like now just like I'm just like gagging on my heart, like up yeah. in my throat. I'm so anxious. It's just like, oh, God. Oh. And doesn't he just leave it too? It's like overflowing and he walks away, right? The, he does. He has to uh, leave. He's... Yeah, that's horrible. And he doesn't even mention it to Tom, no, who does not deserve that. Paul Hackett's kind of a dick. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a big fan of Paul Hackett. <laughs> yeah. Mine's always he's flights. Just that's trying to get away. My recurring nightmare stress is flights. I'm late for a flight or, yeah, it's like my flight's leaving in 10 minutes and I haven't left for the airport. Oh, mine's, uh, we have a show and we haven't rehearsed. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, that's scary. (laughs) Or it's like I'm on my, I find out that I'm on my way to a show that I'm performing. Oh my God. Yeah, that's really scary. Which is always kind of funny anyway. Um, (laughs) I I always dream that somebody has broken up with me. Oh no. No, I I hate those. <laughs> that sucks. Some days I wake up crying after I've had that dream. Oh Ugh. no. Awful. Is that weird? That's a little weird. It's not weird. That's Why am I saying that? <laughs> Please edit that. No, <laughs> I will not. Help. Help. We all wake help up crying me. all um, the time. <laughs> <laughs>
the the uh, Terry Gar's apartment, the rat traps surrounding her bed. Oh yeah, which each have their own spotlight. What Amazing! The fuck? It's yeah. so good. It's so eighties. So good. Yeah. And then delivers like the best sound gag where they we just hear a trap go off. Oh yeah. And Griffin Dunn just like kind of starts. I forgot about that. <laughs> Fucking beautiful. You like the monkeys? <laughs> I love. I did, she puts on <laughs> when she changes the record because right. the story he's oh, telling. Right. Doesn't... Chelsea morning. <laughs> Chelsea morning. And tells him what song it is. So <laughs> I love her. I love the moment when I can't remember. Is he in the bathroom at the bar and he's looking in the mirror and then the camera just pans over to this shark. little drawing the of shark. a shark eating a man's boner off. Yes. Ugh. And it's just a full <laughs> shot of Griffin Dunn looking at that and his face is so perfect. That's for... actually, that's a tattoo that I would get. It's amazing. That <laughs> little drawing. It reminds, I, don't... I don't know if you've Wait, seen... Speaking of anxiety. Yeah, there <laughs> Did you is. see Bo is Afraid, Ellen? No, but so, it's my understanding it's heavily influenced by this. Is oh, that true? Can you verify? I can verify. Oh, yeah. um, and there's also there's uh, the the first half hour of Boys Afraid, which is one of the best half hours of film I've ever seen, oh. um, is filled with hand scrawled graffiti all over all uh, over walls, yeah. and it's so very much like the evolution of the shark biting the boner. Yeah. It's that's funny. Really funny. It's I have never laughed so hard uh, than at the first half hour. Bo is afraid. That's all I've seen of that. I need to finish watching that movie. I would love it if you had finished watching it because I want to hear your your thoughts on some of it. But there is a segment of it that I think you won't be able to get past. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Uh Oh, Hmm. I like it. It's on my list, but I feel like since I didn't catch it in the net earlier this or last year. Mm-hmm. If it, I'll get around to it. If for any reason it ends up back in a theater, I would mm-hmm. recommend it. I would recommend going to see it. If and if God, if it shows up in IMAX again, um, mm-hmm. definitely do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is it's three hours long. It's a it's a it's a full two yeah. after hours is, <laughs> um, and I don't think it needs to be. Uh, but it's it is spectacular in its in its own way. Yeah. Um, speaking of spectacular things. Oh. It's time for Pick Your Poke. This is kind of hard. There were a lot of them. Um, yeah. This is a pokeful, pokeful film. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go. I'm, I'm sticking to my guns and I'm going with Tom, the bartender, John Hurt. Mine too. Mm-hmm. Same. He's dreamy. very dreamy. Just absolutely dreamy. Yeah. Although yeah. both of the, the leather guys are so so cute yeah they are and i i rarely get to pick a gay poke <laughs> and the guy the bashful guy i thought I was the, so the cute too. Was adorable too <laughs> but like so is griffin dunn and yeah uh, ellen you got one <laughs> are you I one mean, of the harpies going after paul hackett <laughs> i mean you, you know where i stand with griffin dunn <laughs> <laughs> is it cheech <laughs> i love it <laughs> so i just i don't need to elaborate i don't think there um it is. griffin dunn answers marcy's phone which i found odd um i've never i don't think i've ever been in a position even in the 80s where i would answer someone else's phone hmm. particularly someone i didn't know yeah hmm. that's a weird thing to do yeah what are your thoughts on that ellen <laughs> joe you have um, no uh experience i have no, I have no idea <laughs> 
Yeah, I wouldn't have answered somebody's phone. No. Mm-mm. No. No, that's a very, very strange thing. Final answer. No. <laughs> Especially not if it's her boyfriend calling, which it clearly is, because it's like the middle of the night. It was no, it was her faggot friend. I thought it was Tom. No, it was it was her gay friend. Oh. Just I can't remember to... what his name was. Huh. Um I kept thinking that he Greg. was gonna come Greg. I th- Greg. kept thinking he was gonna pop back up. Yeah, I thought so did. too. Maybe or maybe he did. Maybe he's one of Tom's neighbors. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah. I complain about his boyfriend. That's the one, like, that's the one black mark on the movie was her, her F-bomb. Marcy's. Oh, yeah, but I don't even mind it. It doesn't. She's saying it, it as an ally. To be real, it doesn't. It's not like uh, It doesn't actually one. bother me, but it, it bothers me in, in a more universal way. <laughs> that that word shouldn't be said. It shouldn't. Yeah. But it wasn't. You know what? It wasn't uh, a joke. It wasn't meant to be laughed at. It was her being an asshole. Yeah. So. Yeah. To a friend. I'm kind of okay with that. I have a new, <laughs> uh, for this season of um, Train Reaction, what are we doing? Uh, a new segment. And it's called, uh, it doesn't have a name yet. It better not be called Rewrite Corner. Backwards. It's Rewrite Corner. <laughs> it's Rewrite <laughs> Foyer. <laughs> uh well rewrite vestibule rewrite nook i thought it would be interesting and this one's not is be some of them they can't all be good that's the problem i thought it'd be interesting it would be interesting we are off to an amazing start this one's not so i'm aware of that tell me tell me more only go up from here to place these what we're talking about in some kind of history i thought it'd be interesting like look up news headlines of the day of when the movie was released i love it so (laughs) <laughs> I looked up this one and was like, oh, this segment is canceled because they're <laughs> terrible. October 11th, 1985. Um, After Hours came out and President Dad Reagan. My birthday. Oh, yeah. President Reagan banned the import of South African Krugerans to the USA. Krugerans. 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 Yeah. Those are coins. Currency. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. And now I do. And that's. Uh, that has been <laughs> a historical context corner. <laughs> Hopefully um, they get better as we go. <laughs> I'm just going to keep my day after my birthday. Yes. Historical context. Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't replace it with that Reagan yeah. factoid. Um, <laughs> no need for that. <laughs> um, well, I... I'm, I'm not going to play Sun City. <laughs> Thank you. That's a Kruger and joke. Oh, All right. I I assume that we all recommend this movie to listener. Hell yeah! <laughs> it's available on Canopy. It is. Uh, it's. It's. You can splurge for the beautiful 4K Blu-ray. <laughs> um, if you have the means. Um. Yeah, I'm offended that you haven't already watched it, listener. <laughs> what movies? <laughs> you mentioned movies that inspired this movie, Ellen. Do you know? I'm curious what they are off the top of your head, or do you, would you? Oh, just more directors was what I was referencing and, and genres. Oh, okay. Um, I feel like there's, there's an obvious heavy noir Mm -hmm. influence. Um, it's, there's a really intense recurrent of the thriller in, in it, but it's more just like the way it looks and Mm. the way it's shot but the Hitchcock influence, I feel, is is the dominant. Influence. Yes, and there's there's also the Buster Keaton 
element of it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. Yeah, this is a this movie goes from Looney Tunes to Vertigo in like this in like five minutes, and it mm-hmm. never. I mean, you feel the whiplash, but it's such a pleasing whiplash. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Have you seen Martin Scorsese's first film? I think is a documentary about New York called New York Melting Point, Melting Pot. Have you seen this? I don't think I've seen that. Okay. I haven't seen it either, but I was wondering if maybe this was sort of like a surreal version of New York based on that and like what the dialogue was about the like original idea about this movie. I was like, maybe it's like they wanted to do a Wizard of Oz in New York, like this weird surreal world. And that was the idea. And that's where that weird Wizard of Oz story came from. There is, mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely Wizard of Oz elements to mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, Alice in Wonderland elements to it. There's, yeah. there's also every Martin Scorsese movie has led up to this point. Um, it's like everything has been practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then this is his, him just, as Ellen said, him just doing a flex. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also a weird moment in his career um, as a filmmaker because. Right, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, but King of Comedy came out right before this, right? Correct. That was the, the and then it came right after, was Last, Last Temptation of, of Christ. Christ was right after. So it's like a really strange moment within like that context of the overall thing. But After Hours was also, is also like super low budget. Yeah. Um, Like there's just a lot of things about it that, that make it, tangibly different from the projects bookending it and mm-hmm. really like everything following that but but oh, you man. know taxi driver taxi driver um mm. fuck my brain the movie you just mentioned <laughs> new york city melting no Point. the <laughs> uh oh wait king of comedy um mm-hmm. these there's these New York stories that Martin Scorsese tells mean streets, even um, oh, yeah. that, mm. that all kind of come together in this. And also he's talking, this is a, a point where he's talking about yuppies, uh, which is the only time he does this. Mm. <laughs> um, and I mean, that's the screenwriter more than anything. Martin's Martin's just really in here for the, to make the camera zoom in beautifully on Rosanna Arquette mm-hmm. um, or shot. Dick Miller catching a, catching a kiss, which is my favorite shot Ugh. in the entire oh, movie. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So great. Oh, it makes me so happy. Every the time Gremlin's I think neighbor. <laughs> Don't you think it's like, I love the little nod of Griffin Dunn and, or well of Paul and Marcy connecting over Tropic of Cancer. Oh Yeah. Right. When you think about if you think about this movie as kind of a flex, it's funny to think of of the quote that she kind of paraphrases from the book. Have Have you read that book, either of you? Mm-hmm. I have not. You? I've I have uh, never read any Henry Miller. There's a great quote that's I mean, the the quote that. She's referencing, of course, is really famous from the book, but there's another one that I think of when I think of this movie and when I think about why or how he's trying to use Tropic of Cancer, right? And so that quote it is, uh, to sing you must first open your mouth. You must have a pair of lungs and a little knowledge of music. It's not necessary to have an accordion or a guitar. 
the essential thing is to want to sing. This then is a song I am singing. Wow. Love it. And I feel that as him saying like film, uh, like Mm -hmm. this is me making. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I love that. I do too. And I want to read that book. (laughs) Oh, and uh, Martin Scorsese is in the film at Club Berlin, shining a spotlight on right. people really? dancing. On Mohawk Night. <laughs> on Mohawk Night. Mohawk Night. <laughs> yeah, they shave a chunk of his head out. Oh, man, yeah. the doorman. He was, yeah. he was really hot, too. <laughs> yeah. Like the most overtly Kafka-esque moment in the film. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Their exchange, the denial. The den- um, <laughs> then he does get in, <laughs> and it's empty. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> But it's so interesting because I was like earlier or last year, last fall, right? Eric, you and I walked out of a theater, not walked out of the film, walked out of the theater, not yes. the same thing. <laughs> Once the movie and was over. I just really had a moment where it's like, am I breaking up with Martin Scorsese? Yeah. I mean, we kind of like have not been, you know, things have cooled, but <laughs> I had such a reaction. It's because you just pointed out his where he appears in the film, which of course is such a Hitchcock thing. Right. But uh, I was so not into where he pops up in killers of the flower moon. Yeah, no, that's a, that was a huge misstep. Oh yeah. That was a big mistake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, A big mistake that only one of the greatest living directors can make. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. Right. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Is it link time? It is link time. And I need yeah. I need help because I I want to just pick <laughs> one. Okay. <laughs> but I have so many. Um How many? There's five. I have five. Okay, I have two. I also have two. Okay. I'm going to go with one. I already know mine. Do you Can I may I uh, no shit. <laughs> While you're looking, so as the reminder, right? So we're picking, it's like dealer's choice. We're picking anyone associated with the film. In the making of the film, Mm -hmm. we can pick things in the film, whether it's actual things, themes, any of the things. Yeah. That makes it sound so loose, almost so loose as to be non-existent. (laughs) But typically, (laughs) typically we're picking actual like humans usually, except when I want us to watch Quantum Leap. (laughs) Oh yeah, vampires. Oh god. <laughs> um I I went with actors um because this movie is an actors movie. Mm. Um Who'd you go with? I went I went with Verna Bloom, Terry Gar, Will Patton, and Dick Miller. Um, <laughs> is that all? That's all. Do we want okay, can I can I ask for a little guidance? Yes. You can uh, try. One one to ten, one being square, ten being avant-garde. How avant-garde do you want to go? Ten. <gasps> Did we pick the same thing? No. No. Uh-oh. I guess say yes. ten. You say ten? Yeah. Ten for avant-garde. The spectrum? Yeah, I yeah. No no limits. Yeah. Okay, then my pick is my link is Verna Bloom, and my <gasps> choice is a movie that I think is truly spectacular, um, starring Robert Forster called Medium Cool. 
Oh, oh I love medium cool. <laughs> I do too. It's a weird one though. It's a heavy one. Never um, heard of it. It's really cool. Hmm. It's, it's I'd say it's large cool. Robert Forster's Jackie Brown, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think it's necessary cinema. Okay. I agree. Now now I'm just being myself for real. I, <laughs> say, shit, I say shit like that all the live long day, and now I'm going to say it on the pod. Necessary cinema. I all feel right. that it is necessary. Is that the one you chose, do you, Ellen? No. Well, it's your turn. Oh, it's my turn. <laughs> it's Joe's <laughs> turn. <laughs> I wanted more Terry Gar, and I'm also going to be hovering around the 70s for my choices, because... From my own anecdotal evidence, the 70s are the greatest American decade. From everything I've ever read, <laughs> every idea is always traced back to the 70s. So I want to see huh. more cinema from the 70s. And so that it's like a loose rule. It's not like a hard rule. <laughs> but I'm going to go with Terry Gar in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, 1977. I think we've all oh. seen it. We all know about it. I could it. not see that coming. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of tough to choose for me. Oh my god! I Can love I that. Say... I love that movie, and I love Terry Gar in it. <laughs> I think that's a good pick. I was hoping yes. you were going to say the conversation. <laughs> I almost chose that one. Um, I. Oh wow! Okay, okay. Oh god, what's happening? Oh. Um, just almost sliced my arm open. Oh no! Oops. Try, try again. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I have. Can I just say both of them, and we can kind of have a discussion? Yes. Because sure. these are two very different things. Okay. Um. I of course I'll go with my the fir- my first one because sometimes the first choice is the right choice but of course I went with the cinematographer so I went with Michael Ballas <laughs> and um of course that can only mean well actually there's so many things that could mean but really technically it can only mean that I have to go elbows deep with the Fassbender and say the bitter tears of Petra von Kant Oh shit Thank you. Uh-oh. That's why I said no limits. <laughs> I have never um, seen this movie. Oh, I've God. I've never heard of it. this movie. It's so crazy. I've, I've um, wanted or, to see it forever. Or does that mean I shouldn't give the second one? No, no, no. I want to hear what the yeah. second one is. <laughs> the second one is a twofer um, because it's Will Patton. It's like my version of the, your Home Alone shout out. Oh. It's it's Will Patton and Rosanna Arquette. Desperately seeking Susan. Susan Seidelman. <laughs> desperately seeking Susan. I, so that was, that was one of my other. Cat? Oh, yeah. Or Desperately Seeking. Of course it was. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Um, so, you know, I'll just to quote Gail. Huh. It's not it's not boring. It's not boring. <laughs> I'm intrigued by both your choices. I know. Oh, fuck. I don't so know. I'll just, can, I'll, you do, can you read mine, the bios of those movies? <laughs> so mine were Verna Bloom, Medium Cool, Terry Gar, The Conversation, or Firstborn. Um, oh, Will Firstborn, Patton, wow. Yeah, Will Patton, Desperately yeah. Seeking Susan, and Dick Miller, The Howling. <gasps> Dick Miller. Ooh, and The Howling. I know. Huh, okay. What? Joe, do you want you want me to read the descriptions yeah, of those you, few, few I'll, things? I'll do mine. Yeah, of your top okay. choice. My top choice, or 
Yeah, either one. I I kind of want the weird one that you picked first. Oh yeah, let's let's go with bitter tears because I if that it'd be cool to get a chance to see that. Okay, then I'll I'll so I'm gonna use the IMDb yeah. description of the bitter tears. Of bitter. Yeah, I'll, this is the IMDb um, description of medium cool. A TV news reporter finds himself becoming personally involved in the violence that erupts around the 1968 Democratic National Convention. Wow. Ding. Okay. Boom. Sounds cool. Medium cool. Okay. Um, are you going to read us the description of the yeah, I will. Um, Roy, Roy Neary, an Indiana electric lineman, finds his quiet and ordinary life <laughs> turned upside down after a close encounter with a UFO, spurring him to a, an obsessed cross-country quest for answers as a momentous event approaches. Mashed potatoes. <laughs> With mashed potatoes. And I recently found out Richard Dreyfus is a Freemason. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Secret society. That won't influence my decision. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Because you know I've worked with Freemasons, right? Um, oh, did not know that. Okay, the Bitter Tears of Petra von Kemp, nineteen seventy-two, uh, Fassbender film. A successful fashion designer abandons a sadomasochistic relationship with her female assistant in favor of a love affair with a beautiful young woman. Wow, interesting. All right. So now it's time to use our new method. Oh of God! Right. Our, for our first, <laughs> the yeah. first line of defense. It's for our own protection. Now I want to get Long the down. I want to get the rules of this right. If we okay. all say the same thing, that wins. It's not. Yes. It's not <laughs> two to one. Um, like if it's if there's a split at all, we use the wheel, right? Yeah. I, well, yes. we can talk about it. Yes. No. Yes. If we can convince the third party to join our camp or whatever. If, yeah, yeah. if you want. Wheel. I, I prefer Memnock. <laughs> okay. I have a countdown. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait. I wanted to get so, like... So on the count of three, we're just going to blurt out <laughs> we want to watch the link that we want yeah, based on I what guess. we've heard. I guess so. Yeah, that's what we're okay. doing. Okay. All right. One, two, three. Close the Did you say Did you say bitter tears? I did too? Say bitter oh tears. shit! <laughs> so I'm outvoted. I'm gonna go bitter tears because I almost said that one. Okay, so we're get, we're we're down for bitter tears. Yeah, it sounds right. really you know, interesting. We can we can ask the devil. No, no. The reason I chose Close Encounters is because I've thought back to when we did Fire in the Sky, and I have like yeah. very positive memories of watching and talking about that movie. I think well. No, that's not true. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is my favorite Steven Spielberg movie, but Close Encounters is a very, very close second. Yeah, but I'm... I think it's a masterpiece. I'm more interested in like an avant-garde weird, weirder thing that maybe someone, maybe we can be the first podcast about it. <laughs> oh, X-rated movies did it. Oh, shit. <laughs> well. Uh, I'm excited because I've never seen it. And this is, a, this is going to be a rare treat <laughs> to watch something I've never seen. <laughs> yes. The Bitter Tears of Von Petra Von Kent. Petra Von Kent. Uh, Corey okay. Brewer will be thrilled. He's a huge Fassbender fan. Oh, I didn't know that. So maybe he'll give us another minute. I'm next. delighted. <laughs> I 
can't wait to figure out oh, wait, what headline it, when it <laughs> the day see, it came where out. Where can we find this movie? HBO Max. In in my heart. <laughs> uh, it is on HBO Max. It is available to rent from Prime Video. Uh, it is obviously going to be available at your local video store if you have one. If you don't, you can go to scarecrow.com and rent it from them. Um, I'm checking Canopy right now. It is not on Canopy. Uh, as of as of the time date of this record, it is a Criterion. It movie, is a Criterion so. film, so it might be on the Criterion channel, but yeah. it might also not. Um, <laughs> that's it. Well, listener, we're back. We're back and better than ever. <laughs> Open season. <laughs> <laughs> no guidelines. We're going crazy. We're doing some fucking German shit to next week. <laughs> uh, I hope you'll watch it with us and maybe talk to us about it. You should yeah. message us at itwasmurderpod at gmail.com. Our Instagram is mm-hmm. at itwasmurderpod. Our Twitter is also at itwasmurderpod. All of these are ways to reach me. Uh, <laughs> and I will pass along anything you choose to share. Yes. Um, but yeah. Let us know your links and let us know what you think about the bitter cheers of Petra Van Gant. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, and what you think of After Hours. I'm very curious, especially if you've never seen it. I hope you do check it out and let us know. Yeah, now that we've spoiled it for you. Yep. And uh, I see that Stitcher is no longer an option for streaming unless there's something I'm not understanding about this app. Um, so please rate and review us on apple podcasts (laughs) give us five stars write a nice review it'll help everybody find this all this heart-to-heart content that we have (laughs) yeah um of which there's a a metric shit ton so please go (laughs) check it out Yes, Um, please. and with that also listener if you you are just meeting us we have a way that we like to sign off Mm. based entirely on our heart-to-heart roots and it is to say goodnight to the heart's furry friend, Freeway. <laughs> so for the first episode of Open Season, thank you for listening. Good night, Freeway. Good night, Freeway. Good night, Freeway. One, two, three. If you close the door, the night could last forever. Leave the sun shine out and say hello. To never All the people are dancing And they're having such fun I wish it could happen to me But if you close The door